Welcome to the Walk With Me podcast. I'm Pastor Stephen Bond from Divine Church in Chapel Hill, Tennessee, and I am so excited that you are walking with me. What that means is we are walking together through God's Word, just about three chapters a day, and uh, you're going to get the most out of this if you read these chapters independently and then listen to the podcast, but they're going to be short, 10 to 15 minutes each day, so that you can listen to at the start or the finish of each day, and I believe that it'll bless you as it's blessed. Me. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. Today's passage is from Psalm 56, 57, and 58. Psalm 56 is David speaking of another time where he's in great distress as was a common theme of David's life. You know, when you think about you think about your heroes, you know, it, it's funny. You, you, you think about your, you know, people have heroes, you know, in the natural, like um, just in the, in the present day world that they live in. And normally I think they're your heroes because you aspire to live the life that they live. You know, they're gifted, they're athletic, they're good-looking they're rich and you think well they they must live such a different you know greater life than I live and I think that's what a lot of times makes people uh, a hero in their mind you know but the men and the women of the Bible these real heroes you know David and uh, Paul you know Daniel uh, you know Moses you know, these kind of guys, man, these are real heroes. And you know what? Real heroes go through real stuff. And I think we need to remember that sometimes as we are desiring to be heroic in our own day. Because we need heroes today, church. And I'm not talking about influencers on Instagram and Facebook and, you know, I'm not talking people like that. I'm talking real heroes people that go through real stuff and come out on top and um, so when you look at David's life he, he, he was such a mighty man of God and his heart was that truly after God but he went through you know some real stuff as we're going through the Psalms I, there's not too many of these Psalms that we've read so far that haven't been re- regarding either David or the sons of Korah or Asaph know somebody that's like going through something and they're needing or they're waiting or they're believing for God to move or God has just moved and released them from the suffering that they've been in and they're praising him you know and so just remember that real heroes have to go through real stuff and so maybe just maybe you're going through some real stuff right now and um It's not because really of anything that you've done wrong, but maybe just because there's a a heroism that God is trying to draw out of you. Um, And uh, sometimes the the courage that we need is really forged in battle. And it can't be simulated. It can't be implanted. It has to be disciplined and worked. You know, that's how muscle is. 
You know, there's there's no there's no cheap way of getting muscle. You know, there really isn't. It's not steroids. It's not any, there's there's no way to make a muscle that doesn't involve getting into the gym and and and, and hurting your body. And yeah, you can take some things that speed up the process, but it doesn't change the fact that there's still work to be done. And that's how it is with us too. When it comes to faith, you're going to build a faith muscle. You're going to have to go through some stuff. I don't care what church you go to. I don't care. I don't care how much you read your Bible, how much scripture you have memorized. You know how many songs of worship that you can sing. You need all that stuff, boy. Do you need that stuff? Because you're going to be going through some stuff, and you're going to need those things to get you through it. Because that's how God's going to build your faith is by taking you through some things that you don't think that you can get through because you can't get through it without His help. And so, so David's going through some stuff here, and um, you know, but he says, "But when I'm afraid, I put my trust in You, in God, whose word I praise, in God I trust. I shall not be afraid." What can flesh do to me? What, an, what a brilliant, um, confident statement. What can flesh do to me? What can man do to me? What can a mortal do to me? What could a human do to me? What can my boss do to me? What could my family do to me? Right? What, what, what could be done to me that the Lord could not uh, prevent or make work together for my good? You know, there's nothing that man can do, you know, that God can't undo. Right, and so there's a confidence that should always be in us, that 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 gives us the ability to endure. He says, "All day long they injure my cause; all their thoughts are against me for evil." You know, but he goes through it. And he, then at verse eight, he says, "But you have kept count of my tossings; put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book?" Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know that God is for me. In God in whose word I praise, in the Lord in whose word I praise. In God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? You know, that's just a that's just a really important passage to dwell on, is to understand that even in our hurting, God never turns his face away from us. In fact, he has the compassion of a loving father to where he actually is watching over us and collecting of our tears, meaning remembering of our sufferings and noticing at all times what we're going through, right? And and understanding even painfully for him, I believe, that what, what we're going through is always, I believe, painful to God. Because we're either going through it because we put ourselves in that position and we're and we're reaping what we've sowed and God is, you know, painfully holding himself back so that we would learn from from what we've sown, that from what we're reaping, that we would not sow it again. Or God is painfully holding himself back, collecting our tears. Because what we're going through, he has orchestrated because we need the faith that it's going to build for the destiny that is ahead of us that we don't yet know, yet he does. 
And so either way, we can rest in the fact that God's eye is upon us. Now, sometimes that almost frustrates us because if, we, if his eye is upon us and he can collect my tears, why can't he move in my circumstance? And that's, that just boils down to his sovereignty and his wisdom. He'll move in my circumstance at just the right time. And David knew that. And that's why he said, then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call them. This I know that God is for me. I'm going through some stuff right now, but God's for me. He's collected my tears. He's documenting this in his book. He's not going to forget about my suffering. He knows in it just the right time, he's going to move suddenly. And I'm not afraid of man. I'm not afraid of what anyone's going to do to me because I know that God is for me. You know, and he goes on to say, so I'm just going to perform my vows to you, God. I'm just going to render thank offerings to you because you've delivered my soul from death. Yet my yes, you've delivered my feet from falling that I may walk before God in the light of life. You know, you've delivered me before. I believe that you'll deliver me again. I'm going to praise you in the process. Right. And I'm going to worship you on the way to where you're taking me. And I'm not going to be a person that's always obsessed with where I'm currently at. It's OK to not like where you're currently at. But you can't despise God because he's not moving quickly enough in where you're presently located. Because where you're presently located, I believe, is the place where you're supposed to be. You know, often of the time, you know, whether you put yourself there or whether God put you there, either way, you're going to learn something from it. Either A, not to put yourself in this position, which happens a lot of times. We're not perfect. We make mistakes. And it's honestly, sometimes God lets us make a mistake and he corrects it immediately and we don't even notice it. And he's gracious like that. That's pretty awesome, right? Like a kid that, like a, like a toddler that shoots a basketball up towards the goal and he misses it by three feet, but dad like kind of smacks it with his hand and makes it go in. And it's like, woo, you know, like God does that to me all the time. Like he, he, he corrects my mistakes and makes them work together. I love that. And then other times he lets me airball that thing. I mean, I just, I, I just shoot it and, and, and think I just went Kobe you know, and it's just floating through the air. And I think, man, and then it's just, boom, nothing but air. And and I learned from that, too, because I go, oh, man, I really missed that. I really missed on that one. And then I get to look inwardly and go, why did I miss on that? Oh, okay, I see, because I wasn't patient enough. Oh, I spoke too quickly. Oh, you know, I, I didn't. I didn't do this. I didn't communicate well enough. I didn't, you know, we learn through failure as well. So God is so sovereign and so loving that he allows his children to fail. And listen, it's a lot harder and a lot more loving to allow your children to fail than it is to always help them succeed. I mean, that's, that's tough, but it's real, right? You know, you got to let your children fail sometimes. You know, that, 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 that's why, you know, I don't really like the whole participation trophy thing. I don't mean to go off on this. I'm not that passionate about it, but, you know, my... My son has played in some baseball leagues that did it and some baseball leagues that didn't do it. And, you know, man, that's just a piece of junk. I mean, it is to him, too. He doesn't care. End of the year, they give him a medal. They give him a trophy. Man, that thing gets thrown up somewhere. We don't care anything about it. Why? Because it doesn't mean anything. You know, but the, the years that we've played on teams that, that, you know, man, we've come up just short. And we watched the other kids get the trophies. Dude, that kind of fueled us. It's like, oh, man, I want one of those. Right. And it's like, I'm, I'm glad that God doesn't just divvy us out trophies all the time. I'm glad that sometimes we can look ahead at what the righteous are getting and for the choices that they're making. And I, I'm kind of glad that sometimes we get to look at our empty hands and think, man, 
I got to be more like them. I got to strive more towards God. I got to be more patient. I got to wait more, right? And, and so, just kind of, just kind of describing of God's sovereignty a little bit to us today, in, in some different ways. And, and so, David understood that, and he goes, "God, I know you're going to deliver me." And then into Psalm 57, you know, he goes out and he says one of my favorite, one of my favorite things here. He says, verse two, "I cry out to God, Most High, to God." Who fulfills his purpose for me? I love that. To God who fulfills his purpose for me. He says, I know, and we need this confidence too. Listen, God's going to fulfill his purpose for you. I don't care if you just got fired. God's going to fulfill his purpose for you. I don't care if you don't have two cents to rub together. God's going to fulfill his purpose for you. I don't care if all your hair just fell out. God's going to fulfill his purpose for you. You know, if you will seek him, he will fulfill his purpose for you. It doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. He's going to find a way to fulfill his purpose for your life. And only he can do that. But we have to remember that no matter what I'm up against, that this isn't going to affect my destiny. God's got a, God's got a plan and there's no enemy and there's no circumstance and there's no situation that can arise that, that can, that can um, defeat or, or, or stop God's purpose for my life and to have that confidence no matter what you go through you know because he goes on to say you know my soul my person is in the midst of lions you know uh, I'm around children of man whose teeth are spears and arrows whose tongues are sharp swords but be exalted O God above the heavens let your glory be over all the earth and then he goes on later and he says, My heart is steadfast, O God. Steadfast is a, is a word that means anchored. It means immovable. It means attached. You know, I mean, it's just fixed, right? So to say my heart is steadfast is to say, God, no matter what's happening, my, my heart is latched towards you. No matter what happens, I never turn my heart away from you. And so he goes, so I will sing and make melody. You know, I, he's, in, he, he's in a cave, actually, in Psalm 57. Truly, he's in a literal cave because he's hiding. And he goes, but I'm going to sing and make melody. Can you think about that for a second? Because, see, we'll, we like to sing at church when everybody else is singing. And I've heard this song on Caleb, and I kind of know the words a little bit. And it's kind of got that little catchy chorus, and I'm going to jump in, and... You know, oh, the person on the left of me just lifted their hands. I guess I can, I guess I can do a little hand raise. You know, man, we, we just have such a watered down form of worship. David's in a cave hiding from his life. Okay. And he, and, 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 and it's the king that's trying to kill him. I mean, this isn't just some, some jabroni. This just ain't some random dude trying to kill him. This is the king. We don't even realize the severity of that. Imagine if. If, you know, if the police were looking for you, okay, let's go one step more. Imagine if the president, <laughs> you know, like specifically was out for you, you know, and his people in every form of government, the FBI, you know, oh my gosh, and you're hiding somewhere and you're going, but my heart is steadfast, oh God. I'm not turning away from you. I'm going to sing and make melody. So then he says, awake my glory. And my glory is like my whole being, like awake all that I am, my heart, my mind, my hands, my feet, my belly, everything, wake up. And then he says, awake, harp and lyre. Okay, that's his instruments. I will awaken the dawn. That means I'm going to praise you before the sun comes up. 
I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations, for your steadfast love is great to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. And you think, man, how could David have praised God like that in that moment? Because David's praise was never a result of his feelings. He never praised God when he felt like praising God. He praised God because God's worthy of his praise. And he let his feelings catch up. And that's how praise is supposed to work. Praise isn't supposed to be a manifested fruit of, of, a, of, of, of an affection towards God. Uh, praise is actually the beginning that then produces a manifested, of, manifested affection towards God. Does that make sense? Okay. It, it, it's, it, it's almost like, you know, you may not just walk in the kitchen, look over at your spouse and think, oh my gosh, I just want to kiss you so bad right now. <laughs> okay. Now, 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 in the beginning, that might be the way it is for for a time, but as you as you've developed into your relationship, you may not just feel that way, but you may then go and kiss them because you love them and that's your spouse. And then, in I may have crossed the line. I'm sorry, <laughs> but but then in kissing them, now there's a feeling that's coming. You go, oh man. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like. This kiss has reignited that how passionate I am towards you. This hug has, this holding of your hand has. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and it's, but, but we don't just, you don't just go, well, I'm not going to kiss you today until that feeling just falls on me that I want to. You know what I'm saying? That's, 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 that's illogical. That's not how life works. Okay? That's not, how, that's not how it's supposed to go. We don't let our feelings control us. We control our feelings. And so David's going, I'm going to praise you. I don't care if I feel like it or not. And then in lifting of my hands and lifting of my voice and playing of my harp and, and stringing of my lyre, then all of a sudden I start to, my heart starts to swell up and I remember how good you are again. I've exhausted all of my time today. Psalm 58 is a great psalm. <laughs> um, and ultimately, I want, the only thing I want to say about Psalm 58 today, it, there is some harsh language in this psalm, uh, but, and it almost seems a little bit ruthless. Because he's saying, man, I just hope you're just melted. You know, I hope that you're, you, the fate of you, I just hope, you know, that your teeth are shattered. I mean, this is, this is a pretty ruthless psalm talking about his enemies here. But I want to remind you that David was a giant slayer and he was a pretty savage dude. And instead of coming up, coming up out of his, his hiding and starting to whoop some, some major tail, he trusted in God to be his vindicator. Okay, so that, that's kind of what I want to leave you with today is no matter what you're up against, the battle's not yours, it belongs to God. Okay, even if it's in your ability to fight, you need to take it to the Lord first and let him be your vindicator because his plan and his ways are greater than yours.